listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. School buildings across the state have now been closed for about three weeks. Students, educators, and parents have all been trying to adjust to online instruction and at-home learning as best they can. Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to announce today whether schools will open up again at all before the scheduled end of the school year in June. And early reports really suggest she is likely to order them to stay closed. High school seniors will graduate and all others will advance. But what does all of this mean for students, for parents, and for educators? Joining us now to talk more about the loss of school and the potential loss of the entire school year is Elizabeth Moji. She is the Dean of the School of Education at the University of Michigan. Dean Moji, welcome back to Detroit Today. Well, thank you, Stephen. It's wonderful to be here with you, even though it's a a very stressful time for all of us. Yes, it really is. Uh, Let's start with this. As an educator and as someone who studies teaching and learning, How do you feel about the prospect of students not being back in the classroom for the rest of the year? Well, Stephen, you know, it's a a big loss. There's just no getting around it. We have compulsory education led by educated professionals in this country for a reason. We believe that schools matter. We, We know that teachers matter. And it will be a loss. And I think parents are are coming to understand that um, more and more every day, just how much teachers and schools matter. But I think there's, um, you know, there's reason to be hopeful and to be optimistic. First of all, um, closures are, you know, across the country and, and all across the world. So all students are experiencing the same delays and the same losses of instructional time. Mm-hmm. And educators are really, you know, coming to learn how to adjust curriculum and instruction to meet the needs of children as, you know, we, we experience this crisis, this pandemic. And when we look at research on, um, you know, the loss of educational opportunity in countries in crisis, let's say in war zones, or even in our own country, um, in World War II, there were huge educational losses. My own mother uh, skipped all of eighth grade. She just didn't have eighth grade. Because and of went the war. On wow. To, you know, to be a teacher, mm-hmm. to earn two master's degrees. Um, so clearly, um, you know, it's, it's not uh, a loss that can't be made up. It's not a loss that we can't work through. When we do return to school, and we will return eventually, mm-hmm. um, all educators are going to need to hone our professional skills for differentiating opportunities to learn, however, because students are going to have had very different experiences in their time away from school. And so we're going to have to really work on what we call differentiated instruction, something great teachers do every day. But it is going to be, um, you know, a more more pressing need. And that's particularly because, um, you know, what this crisis is revealing is something that has always been true. There are vast disparities in students' resources. And, um, you know, there's just incredible inequity in education. And this is laying uh, those inequities bare. So we know that not all students have access to the tools they need for, let's say, remote instruction. 
not all students have the connectivity. Many students have two working parents or parents who are working multiple jobs, and many students have parents who are out of work, and they're going to be really struggling with financial challenges. So that's going to increase the gaps that already exist, and our teachers are, um, even now, we're talking about what we can be doing to help teachers really learn how to differentiate. Yeah. Uh, we here at WDET have been out and talking to some children and young adults who are dealing with this loss of school in their lives. I want to play a clip uh, from a, a student named Sophia who uh, goes to Parcells Middle School and get you to react to what she's saying about online learning, which is what everybody is trying to, to get their minds around right now. Let's listen to Sophia. I was hearing that we weren't getting credit for our work in um, online school, and I was kind of upset. But And then I was seeing that online we were getting credit, and I was happy because I was getting good grades, and I was getting more attempts than I would have in just regular class. So there's a, there's a lot in, in what Sophia is saying there about this, this experiment with online learning. I think one of the things that really stands out to me is this idea of differentiation, this idea of, okay, this is not the same as getting everybody together in a room and having the teacher lead instruction. So we've got to think of different ways. And maybe we relax some of the rules and the standards that we have for managing a classroom in order to make sure kids are actually getting what they should out of that. It sounds like Sophia School is adapting. I, I wonder, though, about all of the schools and whether they're all going to be able to be quite as, uh, quite as nimble. That's a great question. The first thing we have to realize is that, um, you know, all of the schools, all of the districts, don't have all of their children online. Um, you probably have heard, and your listeners have probably heard, Superintendent Vitti talking about the fact that about 10% of students in Detroit public schools are online and able to access um, remote learning opportunities. So that's, that's an example of those disparities. Then, you know, once we get online, we all have to learn how to engage in instruction and really rich teaching and learning um, in these settings. And um, I can tell you that, you know, at the University of Michigan, we are, of course, engaged in remote instruction, and we are all um, struggling. We are all working hard to learn how to um, really make the best possible experience for our students. And we're very well equipped in the sense that we have all the tools. Um, but there are challenges in taking face-to-face -face instruction and making it online instruction. Mm. It's a different uh, animal from something that one designed to be online at the outset. And so, um, you know, kudos to Sophia's teacher, who is clearly, um, you know, giving Sophia a good experience. And, and I think what's really powerful is the way she's talking about how there are some things she's getting from this online or remote experience that she might not have been getting from her in-class experience. Mm -hmm. And so this is an opportunity for all of us to learn about 
the different kinds of affordances, the different strategies and opportunities that online education can provide for us. But I can tell you as someone who's teaching a class right now, um, I miss my students. I miss Mm. seeing them face-to-face. And and we use Zoom and we do chats, but it is not the same. And so there are some really wonderful things coming from what we're doing and still some challenges. And I think that social interaction and those opportunities to be together and to learn from each other, to experience the diversity of ideas – that could be um, very challenging to recreate in online settings, depending, again, on bandwidth and, um, you know, access. Uh, My guest is Elizabeth Moji. She is the dean of the School of Education at the University of Michigan. We're talking about the potential end of the school year. Governor Whitmer is expected this morning to announce whether she will reopen schools at some point or cancel the school year as we know it uh, at this point because of the coronavirus pandemic. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you're coping with school being canceled and the prospect of it being canceled for the rest of the year. If you're a parent, how are your kids doing with this online learning experiment we're all trying to figure out right now? Are you able to get them learning and engaging in academics while you're home while they're at home? What are your concerns about their academic and social lives as they are sort of held away from the interaction that they're used to with other children in school? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, I also want to just want to hear from folks about this whole online learning thing. How is that going? Uh, it's one of the biggest adaptations that we are being asked to, to indulge at this point. Just give me a story or two about how that looks in your household with your kids uh, trying to figure out how to go to school without actually going to school. Um, Dean Moji, I want to talk a little more about this this kind of connection that's lost between instructors and students uh, with remote learning. And I want to play a clip from another student we talked to here at WDET. Sashir uh, is a senior at Wayne State University a little older than the last student we heard from. But but he told us about how he's feeling now that he does not interact with his classmates. I was only in two classes this semester anyway, so it was a little light schedule. But the classes I was in were um, pretty tough. Um, they're like requirements for me to graduate, being like the capstone class. So not going to that class anymore and being grilled by the professor every lecture is really strange. Because now we're just like uploading videos and receiving feedback so it's like that connection is gone and also this is like an important class in terms of getting a job after graduating because a lot of the people we were working with in the class had actual companies outside of it yeah a lot going on there for sashir i wonder what your reaction is dean moji well he's really expressing um you know the same kinds of feelings that i'm hearing from our students Um, just multiple and complex issues here. One is that lack of of interactivity. In fact, 
we um, really began our, our transition to remote teaching, our transition that took place in two days, um, by offering the advice that we do as much asynchronous or um, non-interactive uh, learning as possible because of the bandwidth issues and because of access and equity issues. And of course, we have students all over the world, and so you know, time zone differences, all of those things made it seem um, a, a, like a better move to actually do exactly what Sophia's um, professors are doing, you know, telling them to put up video, telling them to post different kinds of discussion points. But we quickly learned that our students were really hungry for that interaction. And so we've been doing some things um, like video chats, um, Zoom chats, just check-ins. Um, the, the College of Literature, Science, and the Arts at the University of Michigan is actually doing a roll call and actually reaching out to every single student mm in the college, and that's a lot of students, yes, so, you know, 20,000 students, um, to ensure that they have some contact with someone, because we are worried about that um, loss of social connection. Uh, we're trying to not use the language of social distancing. We're talking about physical distancing and thinking about the ways that we can maintain those social connections. And then the other uh, dimension of, of what Severe is talking about, um, the idea of a lot of the learning opportunities that they have as students, whether we're talking about primary, secondary, or post-secondary students, are, are learning opportunities that require engagement. Um, so internships, um, certainly our students in our School of Education are not able to engage in their um, student teaching internships and other clinical practice internships. Mm. And that's a huge loss. Uh, it really um, will shape how they are able to move forward in their professions. But there are ways that we're all working, and I'm sure they're doing this at Wayne State as well, to try to develop alternative activities, mm -hmm. other ways of connecting our students with the kind of work that they would be training to do. So we're all in this together in um, scrambling to learn how to do a better job of replicating some of those in, you know, incredibly important experiences for, yeah. for our students. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Nicole in Westland. Nicole, welcome to the Hi. show. Hi. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, so I was just calling because um, I noticed that not a lot of people have mentioned this. Um, there are kids like mine who um, they have individual education plans mm -hmm. because they experience different things. My one daughter has ADHD, um, and she sees the psychologist at school for anxiety and social interaction support. Um, my other daughter, she has uh, speech um, issues. She has a lisp. It's very hard to understand her. She sounds like she's four and she's almost eight. Mm. Um, and she's not getting that. And I've noticed a big decrease in her speech ability since she hasn't been seeing her speech pathologist at school. Mm. And even though I'm trying to do the packets they sent home for the kids and, you know, keeping up with that, they are doing Zoom with the teachers for each class. They aren't getting that individual um, need that they have been signed up for, which is by law they have to follow, sure, yeah. but this is a very strange situation, so I don't want to 
you know, be pushing for that when I know the schools are already struggling um, with everything else. So, a, you know, it's, but it's a great question, Nicole. What is the yeah. what is the right way for for that to be handled? Dean Moji, can you give us a little idea of what kids who have IEPs should be should be receiving right now? It is a great question, Nicole, and um, and I, you know, my my heart goes out to you as you're, um, you know, really trying to support your children's development and figure out um, all the other things that are probably going on in your life. And so, the first thing I want to say, and and I want to say this to all parents out there. Um, Two things. One, children are resilient, and they will they will catch up. They will um, be able to progress. So um, it's a, it's a very stressful time. But remember that they are going to be okay. Now, the other thing I want to say is, you know, don't feel like you have to be responsible for um, for keeping them going. This is, you know, you're you're you can't do homeschooling. This is an incredibly challenging time. Um, keep them working with the packets that they're getting and and doing the Zoom conversations, and. Thank you for bringing out the the point about IEPs, and I think that's one thing that we need to all work on in the education profession is what does it mean for children who have IEPs? How might the schools actually try to provide some different kinds of tutoring? One thing we're considering um, in in lieu of our student teaching assignments is whether our interns can um, support some of those tutoring activities with children, and we're trying to figure out all of the, um, the the hurdles that we would need to work through to be able to provide that. But that would be a way that our students are learning, and we're continuing to provide those resources for children all over all over the state and really all over the nation so you know it it is um i'm sure something that your school system is actually working on and um, actually trying to come up with solutions to um, be able to provide the the resources for children on ieps and you're absolutely right they need it they need it as soon as possible but remember that they will be okay. They are going to um, be, you know, able to, to move forward and... And bounce back. Sure. And bounce back. Yeah. And the best thing you can do is keep reading with them, talking with them, engaging them in household activities, and narrating those activities because language development is you know, one of the most critical... It's everything in education. Yeah, it's everything for primary grade students especially. Okay, Dean Elizabeth Moji of the University of Michigan, it was great to have you here. I'm going to commit you right now to coming back sometime soon. We'll probably want to do a whole hour with you on the implications of canceling the school year. We have lots of calls that we couldn't get to there, but it was great to have you here with us right now. Um, Up next, we're going to talk with Senator Debbie Stabenow, who is going to tell us more about the assistance that's coming to Michigan from the federal stimulus. I want to keep getting your calls as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.